This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, if we were preaching forgiveness of sins, what the world calls salvation, or what the church world calls salvation, which we should more accurately call the remission of sins. See, the word salvation that's used in the New Testament is an all-inclusive term. It means everything Jesus paid for through the shedding of his blood. Well, the Bible says part of what Jesus paid for was physical healing, healing for the body, not just forgiveness or remission of sins. But if we were preaching the remission of sins, trying to encourage people to come to the altar and give their heart to Jesus, to be born again or made a new creature in him, we would go out of our way to tell the work that Jesus has done, the substitutionary work of the shedding of his blood, the payment of your sins and mine. And we would make sure to tell them. We'd make sure to proclaim and we wouldn't be shy about it. We'd be bold about saying there's no sin that's too great. Well, since physical healing, the Bible says, was paid for by the same blood of Jesus. What sickness is too great to be healed of? Now, folks, my purpose this morning is just to introduce the subject. I'm going to get into a lot of the nuts and bolts of healing, the how-tos, the what-to-dos, the how-to-do-its, and so forth over the next several weeks. But what I want you to see first and foremost this morning is that it's impossible for it to be God's will for you or for me or for any of his children to be sick in body. It's impossible. Now, that doesn't mean we have all the answers. And it doesn't mean we always get the results as quickly as we want to. But it doesn't change the truth of the word. God's word is true. Someone came to me not too long ago, recently, and they asked me a question. And it's one that's been a question of mine for a long time. You remember when God sent Moses to Pharaoh? Moses is talking to God out of the burning bush. And God gives Moses certain instruction. The first thing he asks him is, he says, what is in your hand? Moses is resistant to the work God wants him to do. So he says, what's in your hand? He says, a stick or a rod. He said, cast it down. He threw it down on the ground. It turned into a snake. Moses ran from it, but then came back. And God said, now grab it by the tail. It turned into a stick again. One of the next things that happens is that God tells Moses, stick your hand in your vest, the garment you're wearing. And he did. He pulled it back out and it was leprous. His hand had leprosy. He said, stick it back in your garment. He did and pulled it out again and it was clean. When a sickness can never be from God. So how did Moses' hand turn leprous? I don't know. That's an answer I don't have. But one thing that I do know after having meditated on this for a long, long time. And that is this. 
instead of trying to build some doctrine or theory out of what we don't know, let's look at the example in the story for what we do know from it. What do we know from the example that God gave Moses or the experience that Moses had before God? Well, we know first and foremost that God has authority over sickness and disease. Did God use leprosy in any way whatsoever in that example other than to show Moses that he had power over it? What else is there to see in that story? I can't find anything else. Well, how could God have enabled Moses to have leprosy if sickness ever comes from God? I don't know. I can surmise. I can speculate. It's possible that he took his hand of protection off of Moses for an instant. And leprosy was the result. That would do it. Now, whether or not that happened, I don't know. But I know the story does not tell us that God uses sickness and disease. Furthermore, the Bible says God never tempts a man with evil. It says God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt man with evil. Well, we know since healing is good, sickness has to be evil. So he can't use sickness and disease against mankind. Furthermore, if we look at Jesus as an example of the will of God in action, was there ever anybody in Jesus' earthly ministry? Now, let me... Let me Back up a minute and, and expand on something that I said quickly a minute ago. Jesus' earthly ministry was to show man what God's will was. That was it. That's the main purpose for Jesus' three years of earthly ministry. He didn't have to minister on the earth. He didn't have to be anointed of God to heal the sick in order to have righteous and pure blood as a sacrifice for sin. He could have gone to the cross at age 30 without ever entering into his earthly ministry and the price for sickness and disease along with sin would have been paid for. Right? He didn't become righteous in those three years. So what was the three years of earthly ministry about? Exactly what he told Philip in John 14. He that has seen me has seen the Father. His earthly ministry was to show us God the Father Specifically meaning to show us the will of God in every one of life's situations and circumstances. So when Jesus entered into his earthly ministry, we know of multitudes of people that were healed. John says if everything that Jesus said and did was written down, the world itself couldn't contain the books. I have to assume that means more people were healed than we have record of. Of all those people that came to Jesus and the ones that we have record of, Was there one that Jesus ever turned away and said, no, God wants you to be sick? Was there any person at any time in Jesus' ministry, according to the four Gospels, where Jesus refused to heal somebody? Was there ever anybody that came to Jesus for healing that didn't receive? The answer to all those is no. But that's what the church says. The church says sometimes God wants somebody sick. Sometimes God wants you to glorify him in your sickness and work out his plan and purpose for your life. But that's not what Jesus showed us about the Father. That's not what Jesus revealed to us about the will of God. 
Not even close. In fact, we see people that had difficulty receiving from Jesus where Jesus goes out of his way to make sure that they receive. We even have an example in Jesus' ministry in John chapter 5 where he was anointed of the Holy Ghost to do a specific work outside of the faith of the individual. It was the man at the pool of Bethesda. But it only worked for one person out of five porches full of people that were sick. Thank God there are times where he shows his mercy to bring healing to someone, even apart from their faith. But you can't count on that working for everybody. You can't count on that working for you. It works as the Spirit of God wills, and it works for one person in Jesus' ministry who had the Spirit without measure. No limit to the power of God that was on him. It worked for one person in five porches full of sick people. Now, I don't know how big the porches are. I don't know how many people we're talking about. But I don't think we'd be taking a big jump here to think that there would be maybe 100 people at that place. And that may just be a fraction of the number that were there. But it works for one person out of the whole group. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew eight seventeen tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. But the Bible says God sent his word and healed us. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 1. Notice what Paul said, beginning in verse 16. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, what do we understand the gospel of Christ to be? The word gospel means good news. So it has to be good news about what Jesus has done for us, right? Now, it might also be worth mentioning in Acts chapter 14, where it tells us that Paul was in the region of Galatia, went down to the city of Lystra, and there they preached the gospel. I think that's John four, uh, Acts 14.8. And there they preached the gospel, and there was a certain impotent man who was crippled in his feet who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. So according to Acts 14, Paul, the guy that writes this letter, preached the gospel and the gospel included healing. Paul perceived that the crippled man in Lystra had faith to be healed and you can't get faith without hearing the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if the man has faith to be healed, Paul has to have preached on healing by definition. 
I wonder if that's the gospel he's talking about in Romans 1.16. Wouldn't make sense that the Holy Ghost would inspire Paul to use the same word to mean something else, would it? See, he knew, as we should know, that the gospel includes everything Jesus paid for with his blood. He knew what we should know, that the gospel of Jesus includes healing for the physical body. So he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the word of God about what Jesus has done for us, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is that word salvation. It's the word sozo in the Greek. It means to rescue. It means to deliver. It means to make safe. It means to make sound and it means to heal. Even Dr. Schofield, one of the great Baptist scholars of the modern generation, says in his footnote of this very verse that salvation is an all-inclusive term including deliverance and healing. That's pretty good for Baptists. They never taught me that about the Schofield Bible when I was in the Baptist church. But folks, it's true. Whether you preach it or not, whether you act on it or not, it's true. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it the word of God concerning what Jesus has done for us is the power of God. The word of God is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. As I've mentioned a couple of times already, Mark chapter 4, verse 26, Jesus said, the whole of the kingdom of God, which we already know includes healing, by Jesus' own definition, by Jesus' own statements, includes healing. At least it did when he was here on the earth. Any reason that you can come up with for why the kingdom of God would have changed? The kingdom of God used to mean healing, but doesn't anymore? Who would have the authority to say that? Jesus certainly, as we've mentioned already, gave a mandate to the church to lay hands on the sick and the sick would recover now that the kingdom of God has come. So who has the authority to say that healing is not part of the kingdom of God anymore? I know a lot of preachers have. But who has the authority to say that? Who has the authority to take away what Jesus said was the kingdom of God? That's dangerous territory in my opinion. That's ground I'm certainly not going to tread on. So Paul said that the word of God, which Jesus told us was the seed that had to be planted in in the good ground of man's heart, is the very seed that produces the power for the harvest. If it's the word of God spoken concerning healing, it produces a harvest of physical healing for the body. He said the word of God is the power of God. The word of God is the power of God. The word of God is the power of God. We could say it this way. The word of God 
is the power to heal. Is there any wonder then why the devil has put so much effort into keeping the church from preaching healing? F.F. Bosworth, who had documented cases of more than 250,000 people that were healed in his ministry, said that healing was the dinner bell for the world to come to Jesus. No wonder the devil wants to quiet that bell. But I believe, folks, even in these last days, when health care is such an issue in our modern day, that it's going to be more important than ever for the church to declare God's health care program. Maybe we should call it Jesus care. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing because he was sent from God because healing is a good gift from heaven. And God was with him to do it. God was with him to do it. Let's close with one final verse. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53 is God giving Isaiah a glimpse from the Old Testament perspective of the work that the Messiah would do to bring salvation to mankind. Let's start in verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Notice it starts off by saying the, the arm of the Lord, the power of God, for all the things he's about to tell us that the Messiah would do will be revealed or experienced or received, whichever word you want, by those who believe the report. Or believe the word, in other words. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He, speaking of Jesus, has no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This word sorrows is the word sickness. The word grief is the word pain. Acquainted doesn't mean he knows about. It means he's connected through relationship. It's the same word that's used in the Old Testament for translated no. Adam knew Eve and she conceived. When Adam and Eve fell, they knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. Their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and ashamed. It's talking about a special relationship. It's talking about a connection and the knowledge that comes from it. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sickness with an intimate knowledge of, of pains. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Even the ones that standing there at the foot of the cross didn't know what was going on. Surely. Please notice the word surely. S-U-R-E-L-Y. Surely, certainly, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. He has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, that's sins. He was bruised for our iniquities, that's sin. The difference between transgressions and sins is one's 
the sin of mankind that came upon all mankind through Adam's fall. The other is personal sins. See, you were spiritually dead not just because of Adam, but because of what you did too. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we are healed. With his stripes we are healed. Now, who gives the modern-day church authority to take away the last part of that verse? As some would say, well, Jesus fulfilled that when he was in his earthly ministry and he healed all that were sick. Matthew 8, 17 says, he healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. But if Jesus fulfilled any of the work of the cross in his earthly ministry, then he had to fulfill all the work of the cross in his earthly ministry. He couldn't have paid the price of being bruised for our iniquities on the cross and pay the price of being bruised for our sicknesses on earth or in his earthly ministry. We got to be consistent. If he paid the price before he went to the cross, then that means he paid all the price before he went to the cross. Because it's the same bruising the same punishment it's the same blood that was shed surely he has borne our pains and carried our sickness yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted it's almost like the Holy Ghost knew there'd be an argument about the subject because there's only one surely you can find in this whole chapter and that's concerning sickness and disease only one surely He has borne our sickness and carried our pains. Surely he has done so. Folks, I want you to understand what the Bible is telling us. It's telling us that just as there is no sin that's too big for Jesus because he paid the price for all of it. There is no sickness that is too great. Or experienced too long. Or suffered in any great, too great a measure for you to be healed of. Because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Skip down with me to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. In the literal Hebrew, it says he has made him sick. It pleased the Lord to do so. Why? Did he get some kind of kick out of Jesus' suffering? No. It pleased him to do so because he was paying the price and being your substitute. He took your sickness and your disease. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has made him sick. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Talking about the new birth. Talking about you and me being born again. And notice the connection that he makes. He makes the same connection with offering for sin, which we know was through the work on the cross, with having been made sick. Now that doesn't mean Jesus had cancer on the cross, or leprosy, or leukemia, or anything else. It means as our substitute, God laid upon him 
our sickness just like he laid upon him our sins. He literally became the substitute for sin and sickness on the cross. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has made him sick. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. Now what is that seed supposed to look like? Well, it's supposed to look like a born again creation. Because of the price Jesus paid for us to be born again. But it's also supposed to look like a healed and healthy body. Because of the price that he paid for our sickness. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has made him sick. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. What is the pleasure of the Lord? For you to be born again. And walk in divine health. And it's impossible for it to be anything other than that. Absolutely impossible. The word of God tells us the promises that God has made to us and the work that Jesus has performed. It's a revelation of what God is eager to do in you and me. It's a revelation of what he's eager to do in you and me. He's eager to show himself strong. To heal your body. It's impossible for it to be otherwise. Because the word of God is true. I think too often. For too many years. Too long a time. The church has let the things that we don't know. And the things that we can't explain. Keep us from believing the truth. But folks as far as I'm concerned. The word is true. No matter what I can't figure out. The word of God is true. It's not my intent. I'm open to whatever God tells me to do whenever he tells me to do it. But it's not my intent to pray for the sick during this series. It's my intention to teach so that we see the truth for ourselves. And I believe with all my heart that there'll be sicknesses and diseases that'll fall off people because of the truth of the word. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's lift our hands and thank God for what Jesus has done for us. Lord, we bless you with all of our soul and we forget not all of your benefits. You forgive all our iniquities. You heal all our diseases. You redeem our life from destruction and crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies. You satisfy our mouths with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Thank you, Father, for restoring us to divine health we call for restoration not just healing restoration of strength vitality and everything else that the, the enemy has tried to take from us restore father in Jesus name we love you Lord and we thank you Jesus for being our substitute The Bible says that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. Healing is already yours. Take hold of it by faith in the name of Jesus today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
See, the kingdom of God is when the will of God is done on the earth just like it is in heaven. Any sickness in heaven? Any lack in heaven? Jesus told the disciples to go and pray, preach, teach something very specific. God wants the same thing here for you on the earth as he wants for you in heaven. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.